can really help you with your medical bills, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare 65 Plus, it's not insurance. Members actually say it's better. It's a Christian healthcare community that aligns with your faith and where people encourage and pray for you. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You choose any Medicare provider, and you get telehealth access anytime you need it. And this is great, too. Unlike health insurance, you can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. So don't get stuck with increasing costs. Call MediShare 65 Plus and find out how much you can save. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Are you ready to study to show yourself approved? A workman not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? In this sad, lonely, and lost generation, people need help. They need Jesus. And who can present the gospel better than you? Calvary Chapel University wants to be a helper of your joy, so you can go out and make disciples who make disciples. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today, and you'll earn outstanding scholarships. Most of our CCU graduates graduate early or on time, debt-free, and sound doctrinally. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today. Skip Heitzig is one of our faculty members, and David Guzik is not only a board member, but he just earned his Master of Divinity at CCU. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today and watch God move powerfully in your life. Do you have questions about the history of the Bible? Where did it come from, and how can we know that it's accurate and true? In his book, The Transforming Word, Pastor Tony Evans will guide you through those questions, bringing you to a deeper appreciation of the transformative power of God. To order your copy of The Transforming Word of God for a contribution of $10 plus shipping and handling, you can call 1-800-546-8731 or visit csnradio.com. As a believer, you've always desired to experience Israel, the promised land of God. Many of us won't have that chance in our lifetime. Now, discover how God's ancient promise to Abraham has and is being fulfilled against all odds. Israel, A Journey of Light is one of the greatest series of DVDs ever offered by CSN. This quality production is now available through a one-time donation of $80. Make your Israel a Journey of Light donation now by going to csnradio.com. Our Christian beliefs put us increasingly in the minority today. Alistair Begg's book, Brave by Faith, looks at the book of Daniel to help us deal with this new reality. But be encouraged, Daniel's experience in an unbelieving culture assures us God is in control, even in a world that denies Him. Download the Brave by Faith audiobook for free at truthforlife.org slash brave. KAWZ Twin Falls is rebroadcast on the following FM translators. K216DF Kodiak, K220FW Saldovia, K272AY Crescent City, CSN, the Christian Satellite Network, where God's Word is heard. CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition as we start off this brand new week. Looking forward to being with you as we always are. If you had a question you'd like to ask us about the Bible from the Bible, hey, we're going to do our very best to answer your question. This is live radio, and so if you call right now, you're sure to get on. That number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. We've got some lines open, so you you can get on right now if you call. Again, 
88 Ask CSN. We set this time aside every weekday afternoon to just look at what the world, what we need a biblical worldview of what's going on. And oftentimes, all we get is the slanted American news media. All you get is the leftist liberal agenda. All you get is Hollywood's version. And you know, we need to keep on keeping on. Jesus said, work for the night is coming when no one can work. And so that's why we like to keep you informed of what's going on in the Word of God, in prophecy, in your nation, because for some reason, our American news media will not tell people the truth. I believe they have an agenda. And again, I think you don't have to be very, very capable of much of anything to realize they're not telling us the truth. And so we want to be about our Father's business each and every day. Joining me today, special guest Scott Parker from Festus, Missouri, Calvary Chapel, right there by St. Louis, reminding everybody in the St. Louis area, a church alive is worth the drive. Hi, welcome, Scott. (laughs) Good to be with you, Mike. Thanks for having me on the program today, and you're exactly right, especially this time we live in, this day and time we live in, to, you know, to find a good God-honoring church that honors God's Word and teaches through it. Mike, it is hard to find anymore, and uh, you're exactly right. We do have folks that uh, that drive quite a, while, quite a ways to come and uh, worship with us and hear the Word of God, and we're so thankful for that. And uh, also, you know, Mike, we're also by that other city, too, not only St. Louis, but we're right by Crystal City as well. <laughs> oh, I know. There's no place like home. There's no, no place like home. <laughs> Exactly. So anyway, but it's great to be on the program with you as always. And uh, so anyway, uh, we're just uh, being faithful to what the Lord's given us to do here in the St. Louis area. And that is to get the word of God out to as many people as we can while we can, because Jesus is coming and the signs are all around us. Amen. Amen. And Jesus said, when you begin to see these things, look Mm -hmm. up, your redemption draws nigh. So again, being about our father's business, 88 88. Ask CSN's the number call. we got a couple lines open. If you call right now, you're sure to get on. Let's go to the phones. We have Lucy on the line from Texas. Hi, welcome. Yes, sir. Good evening. Thank you very much for everything you all do for the Lord. Yeah, God is I, good. How can we help? Yes, sir. Um, Thursday, last Thursday, I did um, had a conversation with somebody that is a Jehovah Witnesses. Yes. And we were talking about God, uh, Jesus Christ, being God. So she did agree with me that Jesus Christ is God, but he's, she said that he's not almighty God. So, um, Well, probably in the same way I'm God, you're God, we're all gods. This is a danger because the Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. And when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, this is what caused John eight fifty nine, where they picked up stones to stone him. He was claiming to be the God of the Old Testament. That I am, that ego amini that we find in the Greek, when we go into the Old Testament, there in the book of Genesis, we find this incredible story of, of God uh, raising up people to carry out his will. And then we find that uh, Moses, on the backside of the wilderness, sees a burning bush. He walks up, and God directs him out of that burning bush to go set the people of Israel free. And right before he's done, he says, oh, and who shall I tell the children of Israel sent me? And the burning bush said to him, tell them the I am sent you. And so Jesus was claiming to be the I am. And this, I think, is really important in the days we live. Your your thoughts, Scott? Yeah, exactly. And you know, Mike, when you when you look at um you know, uh, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, you know, it's it's very explicitly there speaking um of the the deity of Jesus Christ there in the Old Testament because it says for unto us a son is a, a child is born. That speaks of his humanity from our perspective when Jesus came, he was a child. He was human. But then it says, unto us, a son was given. 
And that speaks of God giving his son, Jesus coming from heaven, and that speaks of his deity. And then where it says that he, one of his names is mighty God, that word for God, that's the Hebrew word El, which is used all over the Old Testament to speak of the almighty God. So it, it's really semantics to try to take, you know, that verse and to try to take that one word mighty versus almighty and, and, and try to say that, uh, Jesus is, is not deity, uh, or that he's, he's some, that he's a God, but he's somehow less than the father, uh, is absolutely ridiculous because again, that same word that's used there is mighty God. The word for God is used all over the Old Testament, speaking of God the Father, uh, as well as here, God the Son. So, you know, that's the interesting thing about cults is they all start and they all begin with a wrong idea of the nature of God and the nature of Jesus Christ. And so, you know, uh, to try to take these words and try to twist them around uh, really is semantics trying to come up with a different meaning saying Jesus is not God because he's just a mighty God, not the almighty God that it's just, it's just ludicrous. And just a way to try to explain away the deity of Christ, which by the way is what the Jehovah witnesses do not believe. They do not believe that Jesus is God. They believe that he is Gabriel, the archangel. Yeah. And that he's a God that was created and he's not, he is part of the Trinity. He's part of the Godhead. Jesus is as much God as the Father uh, and as as much as God, the Holy Spirit. Uh, all three, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit revealed to us in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. All three are the revelation of God and the revelation we have in the Bible is God is basically one God made up of three persons or three who's. One what and three who's, you could say it that way. And uh, to, to try to take that anywhere else, is uh is to try to steal uh the deity away from Jesus Christ and and I and, and I get that from Jehovah's Witnesses I really do because that's what they believe. Like, yeah and 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 but wait there's more. Uh <laughs> and there certainly is because again when you go to Revelation chapter 22 or you go to Revelation chapter 1 Jesus there is saying I am alpha and omega beginning and the end first and the last. It's the same claim that God makes of who he is. And again, when you reference Isaiah chapter 44, uh, you find that, uh, that God says, besides me, there is no other. We understand then that Jesus Christ is claiming all the way through the Bible to be God. Again, Matthew chapter 1, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now, unfortunately, if you're using a New World version of the Bible, that's their um, version that they rewrote the scripture to fit their own religion. This is a tragedy because you'll never find what the Jehovah's Witness Bible says lining up with any Greek or Hebrew uh, uh, text concerning the deity of Christ. These are some of the great problems that you find. But again, going to Matthew chapter 1, he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's who he is, not just a God, because see, they change it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And in their Bible, it says the Word was a God. The preposition a never appears anywhere in the Greek. They added that to protect their faulty doctrine. So understanding that, these are some of the great points that we have to understand. And especially, Lucy, I commend you for reaching out to your friends, trying to point to them of truly who Jesus Christ is. Hope that helps. Yes, sir. And um, I still have one more. We, we talked okay. about. Yeah, we talked about the hell, hellfire. Yes. It was trying to confuse me that hell, hell, and uh, death will be thrown in the hellfire because the people. Well, then. Yeah, the she's not reading. Hell. They only read the scriptures that support their idea, and they leave out all the other ones that give a more full definition of this. If you go to the book of Jude, it says that these people will suffer the vengeance of eternal fire forever. Jesus spoke 11 times about hell in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a real place. 
of real eternity, separated from God and being punished for our rebellion against God. That's why we need to get saved. The Bible says today is the appointed day of salvation. So if you tell people that Jesus Christ isn't really God Almighty, number two, there is no literal eternal hell. It's annihilation. Hey, listen, there's nothing farther from the truth. That's all made up. And so again, I just simply direct people back to that part in Scripture. And we want to do this lovingly. We, You know, we don't want to come at people arrogantly. But I know sometimes people wonder why I get upset when we're dealing with a lot of the doctrine of the cults, because their doctrine is sending people to hell forever. And that, friends, really hurts my heart. And I know it hurts the heart of the Lord, too. Now, we do find words similar from the Apostle Paul concerning other Gospels and deviating from the Scripture. He says, anathema, maranatha. Well, what does that mean? Anathema means, may they be condemned to the lowest hell. Then maranatha means, he comes quickly. And so I, I really, I really understand what's at stake here for so many people. And oftentimes, because they've deviated from the, from the simplicity of God's word, his grace that saves us, they got people out earning it, going door to door, selling religious stuff. You know, you look at religions of the world. They sell flowers in airports, wear orange and all the crazy stuff that they got to do, all because they don't really know who Jesus Christ is. And that's a tragedy when we really look at it. Lucy, stay in line. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs, okay? Thank you, sir. God bless you. Lucy, if you need any more, hey, we're here for you. We'll give you the best answers that we can. Let's go to Chris. Stay online. We'll get you taken care of with the books and DVDs. Let's go to Chris, Rocky Mountain, Virginia. Hi, welcome. Mike. Yes. Pastor Mike, God bless you. I, I want to see, can all these people that go, all these folks that go to these churches, that all these different churches that support the LYT movement, L, you know what T movement? Excuse me, uh, and they support marrying them, and they're in the pastoral, and and so on, and put the money in the plate. And if they never stop doing supporting them, can they can can they make it in heaven? Can they be saved if they stay there? Oh, well, I mean, I you know, I I'm not the judge. God's word is, and it says in First Corinthians chapter six. The people that practice such lifestyles will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, remember, he's writing this to people that are believers. He's not writing this as a general letter to anybody that wants to read it. He's writing it to the church at Corinth, where there was bad people that come in saying, and Paul says, don't be deceived. Evidently, There were deceivers, as I believe there are today, saying, oh, it doesn't matter what kind of a lifestyle. God loves us all. He's got these big, thick, rose-colored sunglasses. He doesn't see sin anymore. All is cool. No matter what you want to believe, go for it. You know, um, this is the danger. This is the woke stuff that's coming in to the church, and it's not Christian. And so we have to understand that there are guidelines. Now, are we to love people? Yes. Case in point, let me just share something very quickly with you. If I was invited to go to a gay wedding, I would not go because a marriage is a sacrament. There's three sacraments in the Bible. I don't know how many people know this. The first one is baptism. The second one is marriage. And and um, when we look at that, um, we have to understand that um, this is a, a most holy thing. The third one is communion. And so very clearly, we have to be careful. Now, if I was invited to go to somebody that's a homosexual birthday party, I might go to that. I'd have to pray and make sure that I wouldn't be stumbling anybody. But I believe Jesus ate with the publicans and sinners. But there's a big difference between eating with publicans and sinners and condoning their actions. And by by the way, when we show up uh, to 
a sacrament, whatever one of those three you want to, and we bring a gift condoning what they're doing, I believe this, the Bible prohibits. I think it's very clear. It isn't that I wouldn't go to a birthday party. It isn't that I wouldn't go to, uh, you know, somebody's open house. But when it comes to a sacrament and the church, now, would it, could homosexual come into church? Sure. I my, my prayer and heart is every lost sinner in the world comes to church. Because in hearing the gospel, it will convict their heart, cause them to accept Christ, and they'll repent of their sin. That, that's what God does. But I have to be careful, we as Christians, I believe, in picturing to the world, condoning behavior that the Bible says God will judge someday. And it's very clear when you read Romans chapter 1, what God thinks of these alternative lifestyles. Now remember, Romans chapter 1 was written after Jesus had lived his life, died on the cross for our sins, ascended to heaven. The early church was, was formed and functioning good. And Paul writes a letter to the Romans explaining how we have to be careful of how we muddy ourselves in the world. Now, again, Jesus ate with the publicans and sinners. There's a difference between being around people that are not Christians and saying what you're doing is okay in the sight of God. That's where I believe we as Christians need to draw the line. Again, not understanding marriage is a sacrament, understanding that communion uh, and and baptism, all these things, um, I think, are very, very key in in defining where we go and uh, what we say amen to. Your thoughts? Yeah, Mike, you're exactly right. And, you know, it, it really comes down to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 5, because Paul there, he was dealing uh, with the Corinthian church in a situation where a man was— having sexual relations and living with his stepmother and having her as his own wife, uh, which is really, I mean, to say sinful is not even enough to say that. It's just disgusting. Um, but here was the deal. Paul said that the church needed to confront that person because they claimed to be a Christian. And Paul went on to say that if a person claims to be a brother and is sexually immoral or is living in such a way that the Bible prohibits, prohibits, then you're not to have fellowship with that person. Uh, Paul makes that very clear. He says, don't even eat with them and don't associate with them, because if you do and they think they're Christians, you're giving them the false hope and you're giving them the idea that you approve of what they're doing, which gives them the idea that they're okay with God. So that's that's when it comes to uh, people who are of this persuasion and who believe they're Christians and they're fine. Um, you know, that, that sort of thing, those people have to be confronted and explain, they have to have an explanation that you cannot live this kind of lifestyle and be a Christian. Why not? Because of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, because of Galatians chapter 5. Both of those passages tell us that those who practice sexual immorality, which includes homosexuality and all this other uh, all these other forms of, of sexuality, um, those things are, will cause a person to not inherit the kingdom of God. That is talking about eternally. That's talking about going to heaven. It's talking about your eternal destiny. It's very important. And Paul brings it up. Now, where I had my Bible open is exactly the last thing Mike said, Romans chapter one, because in Romans one, Paul very clearly deals with this issue of homosexuality and deals with the issue of man and woman leaving the natural use of their bodies, um, which again, with, with the whole LGBTQ plus persuasions, that's what they're doing. They're, they're leaving the natural use of everything, even, even the, the natural use of calling a man a he, you know what I'm saying? All of it. Well, here's the thing. When you come down through that passage in Romans chapter one, and Paul brings this up, he lists a bunch of behaviors, and he actually says uh, they're sinful behaviors, and he actually says in verse 32 something very interesting. He says this. He says, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things, here it is again, 
are deserving of death. But then Paul adds this, not only those who do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Paul actually says that people who condone the sin of others are actually as guilty as the person who's committing it. So, you know, it, it's, it is not Christian. It's not godly. It's not like Jesus for us to look at people and go, well, I don't want to judge them. You know, I don't agree with them. I think what they're doing is sin, but you know, I, I don't want to tell them they're wrong and I don't want to confront them and I don't want to say that it's, it's wrong for them. It might be their truth, but it's not my truth because, you know, listen, all of that is, is condoning what people are doing. And as Mike said, I, I do believe that if we, take part in going to a homosexual wedding, we are condoning it. We're putting our blessing upon it. And I believe we fall into that category in Romans one thirty two of being those who approve of those who practice things. So Paul's like, if you, if you by your words or by your actions actually approve of the people who are doing things that deserve God's judgment, then you know what? You're deserving of that same judgment too. That is a very, very serious uh, statement that Paul makes there. So, you know, it does matter, Mike. It matters what we think about these things. It does matter how we deal uh, with people who who claim to be Christians and say that they're believers in Christ, but they're part of these lifestyles. And and also with with pastors, churches, church leaders, and Christians who go to churches who accept this sort of stuff. Listen, they are just as guilty before God as the person who's actually doing it. And I, I know what they do. They say it's all in love and all of this. Well, no, listen, love would tell them the truth. Paul tells us to speak the truth in love, but to speak the truth nonetheless. When Jesus came, the Bible says he came with both grace and truth. Um, you know, I think about Jesus when he confronted the the woman who was caught in adultery. And when all her accusers were gone, he looked at her and he forgave her, but then he told her, go and sin no more. You always see when Jesus extends his grace to the broken and he forgives them that he always, he always calls them out of their sin and, and puts a demand upon them to live a different way. And so, you know, nothing has changed with God's word. It should be the same today. Um, you know, Mike, I've told our church. Uh, when, especially when I was teaching through Romans 1 and dealing with this, what would we do, okay, in our church if a, a person comes in or even a couple comes in and they're homosexual? How will we treat them? And here's what I told them. I said, it depends. It depends on if they're believers or unbelievers. If they say they're believers and they're pro pro uh, practicing homosexuality, then we will deal with them with church discipline according to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 in hopes to restore them and to lead them into repentance. But if a, if a homosexual person or couple comes into our church and they're not believers, you know what? I welcome them. I want them to come exactly because of what Mike said, because they'll hear the gospel and have an opportunity to be saved and have their lives changed. You know, and so I, I think this is another place where we have to be careful uh, because sometimes as Christians, we we can, when it comes to lost homosexual people, point our finger at them and say, oh, you're bad and you're sinful and, you know, you, you shouldn't be in be in our church or whatever. Listen, what what about heterosexual couples who aren't married and are living together or having sex together regularly? When you go back to the Old Testament, you will find out those who committed adultery who were heterosexual. That they they endured the same uh, the same judgment as homosexuals did, which was stoning in the law. So that shows me that God doesn't look at a homosexual couple as any more worthy of His judgment than a couple who's heterosexual, saying that they're Christians, but yet they're living together and and, and living in sin. Listen, God will judge them both, and and when it comes to this, we need to we need to warn these people. Uh, when they're part of our church or when they say that they're Christians, we need to lovingly confront them to show them their error so that they can repent and, and escape this judgment. But if they're unbelievers, then you know what? We, we embrace them in the sense of allowing them to be among us so that we can preach the gospel to them. 
So, you know, we, we have to we have to be careful in all of this, but we need to use biblical parameters in how we deal with them. And and we can't worry about whether they or other people or the world says, well, you're not loving and you're not kind. Listen, we have to do what Jesus did and we have to do what Paul and the apostles instructed us to do when it comes to dealing with these kind of people. So listen, as Christians, we love homosexuals and transgender people just as we just mm-hmm. as much as we love heterosexuals and those who are not in sexual sin. We love them all. Why? Because God does. But you know what? If they don't repent of whatever their sin is, they're going to fall into the judgment of God. And so will those who set back and approve of what they do. And I think that is, that's just such a sobering thought, Mike, is uh, Romans 132. Yeah. We used to have a guy come to our church when we first started and he'd come to church stone and he would sit in the back of the church and giggle. His eyes would be all red. And uh, they said, sure, should we throw him out? And I said, no, let him come. I'm glad he's here. He's better off here than anywhere else. Well, he eventually got saved and now he's pastoring a very large church in the Boise area. Praise so God. Uh, God is good. Bobby, I love you. So uh, anyhow, we're coming up on a break, everyone. Don't go away. We'll be back for more. After you know, this. It's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch it's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with healthcare costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. This is a sound of not just one, not just two, but three heartbeats. Heartbeats that were birthed through the ministry of Preborn, who helped this mother of triplets choose life. The heartbeat of a preborn baby can be heard as early as five weeks on ultrasound. The sound of a heartbeat changes everything. I came seeking termination, but once I got here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed when I found out that I was having three baby boys. Preborn is the country's largest provider of free ultrasounds for moms in crisis. Preborn pregnancy clinics share the heartbeats of those in the greatest need, preborn babies. To learn how you can be a part of rescuing babies' lives, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. We want to welcome you back to part two of Jeffrey Man and Answer here on this Monday with Scott Parker from Festus, Missouri, Calvary Chapel. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and we're going to go back to the phones. We had Chris on the line. And Chris, I hope that uh, answered your question for you. Oh, it it, it does. It does. Those, uh, the people that do it and those those that support it, they, they have to repent before the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so, because if you knowingly are condoning lifestyles that the Bible forbids, God will hold that person accountable. And um, I know maybe it's not the uh, the uh, the wave of today, but it doesn't matter. God's word is how God's going to judge the world someday. It's not how I feel about it or what I think about it or what the internet says about it or what my pastor says about it is what God's word says. I think this is why the Bible says in the last days, there'll be a famine, not for food, not for water, but for the word of God. Because I believe the word of God forces even ministers to change their theology. 
uh, changes them to not be so cool, but rather to be factual in what the Word of God says. That's part of what a shepherd does. And if you're shepherding the flock of God and they're getting over there by the poisonous weeds, a good shepherd will say, you know, herd them over and put them someplace where they'll be safe. But a shepherd that says, oh, I love you, go ahead and eat the poisonous weeds. It's all cool. I'm cool. You're cool. Let's all just groove together. Cuckoo, cachoo. Hey, we're all here. Boy, be careful, because that is not what the Word of God says. The Bible's very clear what God will accept and what God will reject. So we need to be about our Father's business. You won't know what your Father's business is unless you read his word or taught his word. This is why it's so important in the days that we live in to know the full counsel of God's word. Chris, I hope that helps. It does. It does. The truth matters the most. And that's, Amen. That's it. Amen. And, and truth is not always, and, and the fact is, truth is not always convenient. You know, um, you know, I, I like the illustration that Skip Heisig gives about uh, people on the Titanic. The captain comes down and says, hey, you know, I want everybody here to have the best time you possibly can have. So if you want to dance on the tables, throw the tables overboard, you want to light the kitchen on fire, do whatever you want to do. Well, again, not realizing in just a few minutes um, they're going to strike an iceberg and sink. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people know that the iceberg has been struck, yet they're still telling people, hey, just have a good time. You know, party on, dudes. Well, that's what we have to be very, very careful in the days we're in. Stay on the line, Chris. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs, okay? Okay, thank you very much. Have a good one. God bless you. God bless you, too, and I'll be sure to send you out the DVD, Atheist Delusion by Ray Comfort. Great for evangelism. Show your friends, get it back, lend it out again. Hey, great time to uh, let people know what God's heart is towards them. Let's go to Tom in Sacramento, California. Hi, welcome. Hi, Pastor. How are you? Good. How may Um, we help? So I'm looking for some study material, uh, a concordance or maybe a study Bible. I wasn't sure what would be the best one to use. I've, I've come across um, a man, J. Vernon McGee. I don't know if he's a good source. He has a, there's a concordance out there. Um, I'm just looking for your input. Well, yeah, and I can help you out for free here. If you go to blueletterbible.org, that's blue, B-L-U-E, letter, L-E-T-T-E-R, Bible, all one big long word, no capitals, blueletterbible.org. And there you can go to studies. You can go to commentaries. I really like um, David Gusick's. I really like Chuck Smith's. Um, and, uh, you can go there and you'll find a, a, just a, a, a ton of great resources. If you want to look a word up in the Greek, of course, they have a strong concordance there, um, online as well. Uh, you can follow along in your Bible with the Greek words alongside of it with the different words, uh, numbered. So you can just immediately look that number up in the Strong's Concordance and maybe get a little better understanding of what that word is in the Greek. The one thing about the Greek you have to always remember, the words around the word are as important as the words you're looking up because everything was connected together. In other words, it's part of the context of that word. So I think it's important, but it's a great resource for everyone, blueletterbible.org. And it's free. You can donate and help them if you like. But uh, they offer that up for all people to help them globally. And I think it's such a great resource. Your thoughts, Scott? Yeah, Mike, exactly. I use it all the time, every day. And Blue Letter Bible has enough resources. I tell our church this. Everybody can be a Bible scholar with Blue Letter Bible. Serious. It's got enough. And I would also say, too, Tom, um, you know, besides that, if you're looking for you know, a good study Bible, reference Bible. There are so many of them now that are really good. 
um, you know, a lot of the leading Bible teachers that are solid Bible teachers that you'll hear here on CSN, a lot of them have come out with their own edited study Bibles like David Jeremiah and, you know, Pastor Chuck Smith did before he passed. He has one you can get that have all these wonderful notes and commentaries in them. Um, and as far as a good study Bible, I would say this too. Uh, one that, that I like and that I have given out to other people in our church, especially new believers, is one called the Life Application Bible. Uh, you can get it in different versions, but it has a lot of good, simple commentary to help people understand what the Bible's saying. And then if you want to go a little deeper and you want to get into the Hebrew and Greek, there is a Bible that I ran on two years ago uh, because there was a man who used to teach the Bible verse by verse years ago. His name was Spiro Zodiades, and I know that's a difficult name, but he he actually edited a Bible. It's called the Keyword Study Bible, and that Bible has in the back of it, it has both the Strong's Concordance, which the Strong's Concordance is a book that lists in it every word of the Bible and every time it's in the Bible and where it's at and what it means. So and you'll find that on Blue Letter Bible, but the Keyword Study Bible actually has the strong concordance in the back of it, and it also has what's called a lexicon that gives you more information about words. So I tell you, there are so many really, really good uh, Bibles and reference materials, you know, again, that there's no reason why every Christian really uh, couldn't be a Bible scholar in their own right. But that Bible is called the Keyword Study Bible, and it's by AMG Publishers, and, and they still sell it. It's it's a wonderful Bible. I have one myself. So, Mike? Yeah. Tom, I hope that answers it for you. A lot of uh, things you can buy and a lot of stuff you can just simply get for free. Great. Thanks, Pastor. I appreciate it. Yeah, God bless you. Stay on the line. Send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll enjoy. Great for evangelism. And uh, thanks so much for the call. If you've got any more questions, hey, we're here for you. Let's go to Ian in Sequim, Washington. Hi and welcome. Yeah, hi, uh, Pastor Mike. Um, my question is uh, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 7, it says that Satan will be loosed for a season. Yes. Um, does he take any uh people who are in the millennial uh in the millennium with him after the great white throne judgment what's what's this loosed for a season what what is the purpose of it oh well that's a great question you have to remember that when jesus comes back and rules and reigns on this planet that he makes all things new it's going to be back like it was in the garden of eden and people will live in a perfect environment perfect government perfect ecosystem, um, uh, all things will be restored. And uh, so for almost a thousand years, people lived this way. But Jesus said something in John 3. He said to Nicodemus, a religious leader of the day, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Now, what is interesting about that statement that Jesus makes is even if you put people in a perfect environment, perfect food, perfect government, perfect everything, because the heart is not born again, it will still rebel against God. And so at the end, almost at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, Satan is allowed to be loosed and to deceive the nations. Those, of course, there will be those who love Jesus that won't capitulate to the devil's wiles and whims. However, the Bible says as sand is on the seashore, they come against the Lord there to make war with him, and with the word Jesus destroys them. This is all sponsored, I believe, by giving people a choice. Now, again, I don't think that having a choice is a bad thing, but if you choose wrong, it's a terrible thing. The word of God helps us not make the bad choices. And you've got to realize that during the millennial reign of Christ, there's going to be ample proof that Jesus Christ is God. And of course, we remember, as we study the Old Testament, that sacrifices are reinstituted in Jerusalem, not for the covering of sin, but for a memorial or a, 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 like a, a monument, if you will, so people of the world will see just what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross. And all the people 
during the millennial reign of Christ that are born again, become born again just like we are. Now, they're in a different time, in a different place than we are in. But nevertheless, as the Bible says, we that are believers today will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. That doesn't mean a person during the millennial reign of Christ that becomes a Christian that dies, dies and then pops right back out of the ground, and they're ruling and reigning with Christ. That is not anywhere found in the Scripture. But what we do find is that the books are opened at the end of the thousand-year reign, and those people who are not found written in the book of life are cast in the lake of fire that burns forever. And again, going back to our first question, what would be the purpose of a lake of fire burning forever if hell was not eternal? And then you couple that to the book of Jude, where it says they will suffer the vengeance of eternal fire forever. Uh, The idea of annihilation is simply not from God's Word. These are inventions and and thoughts of people who really don't know the Bible, and they make this stuff up. But the Bible speaks very clearly of an eternal place of torment for those that reject Christ. And so Satan is loosed on this earth to give people a choice during the very end, after having to have lived in a perfect world. And it's amazing to me the darkness of men's hearts still rebelling against God. No matter how good it is, they'll rebel against God. Why? Because man needs to be born again. That is what's wrong with humanity. And Jesus proves this once and for all to the entire world and to all humans, that even if you put a person in a perfect environment, they'll still rebel against God when given the choice. That's why Jesus said, Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Your thoughts? Yeah, Mike, and you know, I think it's interesting that humanity starts out that way and humanity on earth ends that way. Um, same thing with Adam and Eve. They were, you know, Adam and Eve were not perfect beings. And we know they weren't perfect because they sinned. Anyone who, who is perfect can't sin, uh, as in our Lord Jesus Christ was perfect. Uh, he did not sin. He couldn't sin. But the thing is, Adam and Eve were innocent and they were in until the, until the serpent showed up. They were in paradise. They were in a perfect garden that had everything that, uh, that they needed. And still yet they rebelled against God. Humanity started off that way. Humanity will end that way on at least this earth at the end of the millennium, as you see there in Revelation 20 and verses seven through 10. And uh, Ian, I think it's important to understand that, you know, um, Mike gave you the wonderful, did a wonderful job giving the reason of why all this is going to happen. And when you read that section, it does mention how Satan will go out to deceive the nations. And so nations are made up of people. So on the earth during the millennium, the world will be populated with people, lots of them. Uh, because over a thousand years, that gives a, that gives plenty of time for the earth to be, uh, populated. Even after, even after all the destruction of the tribulation period, those, those humans who still can re- procreate go into the, the millennial reign. They'll have, they'll have a thousand years to procreate. So, uh, there'll be uh, lots of people. So th- as it says there, there will be nations. Uh, Mike mentioned it, that there'll be as many as the sands of the sea. And so we see that. Um, but what's interesting, I think it's important to point out too, Ian, is the fact that those who are actualized in their glorified bodies who are living during the millennium with the Lord Jesus, which would be us, the church, it would also be the Old Testament saints. They are raised from the dead by this time and given glorified body, along with all the tribulation saints, all those that put their faith in Christ during the tribulation. By this time, in fact, at the beginning of uh, chapter 20, after Satan is bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, then what happens is we see the resurrection and the tribulation saints in their resurrected bodies. So all of the redeemed people of God who have been resurrected by this time and enter and come back with Jesus and enter into the millennium um, that are his people and that are resurrected in glorified bodies, they will not be deceived, okay? 
We've put our faith in Christ. All of those people, those people are not part of the ones who will be deceived. Who it will be will be the nations. And the nations is talking about all of those people, as Mike said, that are going to that are going to go into the, the millennium after surviving the tribulation. And then when they have children during that time, it'll be all those people. Um, and I think it's also interesting, too, that when you go back, because the Old Testament has a lot to say about the millennium. And it's interesting in Zechariah 14, it actually talks about those nations again. And it actually says this. It says during the millennium, all of the nations of the, the people of the nations around the around the world, those who refuse to actually take the journey and to go to Jerusalem to worship Jesus during the Feast of Tabernacles are going to be cursed, that God is not going to allow them to have uh, any rain, and their their lands are going to be barren. And so it's very interesting uh, when you study the Old Testament and, of course, here in the New Testament about the millennial reign, that um, it's going to, as Mike said, it's going to be a completely uh, different earth than we know now in the sense that so much of the curse will be removed. Uh, but one thing that will be the same is still will be populated with human beings. There will still be nations. Jesus, of course, will be the king of the whole earth uh, in that sense. And Israel, will, the, you know, the people of Israel will be the head of the nations as far as, uh, you know, all the other nations. Uh, but these people will exist, and those are the ones – uh, at least the ones that follow Satan during that rebellion after he's loosed in the bottomless pit, it'll be people from those nations uh, then who will follow Satan, but not the people that are the redeemed people of God who are glorified and with reigning and ruling with the Lord Jesus. So we don't we don't have to worry about that for us in the millennium that the devil's going <laughs> to deceive us. So I think that's important to point out too, Mike. Amen. Hope that helps. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. That that makes a lot of sense. Thank you very much. All right. Yes. Stay aligned. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. Again, great for evangelism. With that, we'll go to Emily, Sacramento, California. Hi, welcome. Hi. I um, just want to encourage everyone to get out there and vote um, this upcoming election. Sorry to be off topic, but also, please, if you are going to vote by mail, Please, please, please open that envelope and check your party affiliation to make sure it's correct. I personally know two people whose party affiliation was different, and I'm not going to, you know, comment on what party it was, but please do not let that envelope sit there. Please double check because you can go online and register to the party it should be within a certain deadline. And for California, I think it's the 20th. After that, it's uh, an extra step to vote. Yeah, you want to check these things. Uh, again, we have a very, very corrupted system. I was reading about um, the prosecution against Donald Trump on Mar Largo for having documents that a president was legal to have. However, Joe Biden illegally had many documents that he was not supposed to have. Well, last week, a judge said, well, he's not really capable of standing trial. He's not mentally there. At one point, uh, Biden said that uh, he never, he didn't have these papers. He didn't know he had them. And then in the same uh, deposition or, or same interview, he said, oh, I kept those papers because I was going to write my memoirs. Um, uh, contradicts himself. Judge said he's really, so um, what's the punishment? There isn't any. They threw the case out. Guilty as can be, but they threw the case out because he's not mentally capable. Now, he's mentally capable to run again for president, which no one really that can think and stack two quarters on top of each other can figure out how in the world can you pull off something this ridiculous. And yet Trump, who had a legal grounds for it, a week from today, we have a special on President's Day. And this is where we're going to go in to the corruption of the American news media and fully expose what they are. 
And so you need to listen. And then following that 30-minute excerpt, we're going to go into Ben uh, Carson, who ran for president, and he's going to explain the communist agenda to bring America down. Now, you got to remember, they wrote this back in the 50s. This isn't mega uh, conspiracy or anything. I, I get so tired of that. Anybody that has a different viewpoint other than the corrupt American news media and the Democrat Party, you're mega. Well, you're not. You're honest and they're dishonest. Why would a judge say Joe Biden is not capable of standing trial on this matter and still leave him on the ballot to be the president? Talk about hypocrisy. Now, why isn't the American news media this on every TV show, every news broadcast? All day long. I mean, this is like the biggest news since probably the sinking of the Titanic. You don't even hear about it. See, it doesn't meet their agenda. And so we have to be aware of this. And yes, Emily, I think people do need to get registered properly to vote. And we do know that it's going to be cheat-o-rama as it was last year. People say, oh, there you go, mega again. No, get the movie 2,000 Mules and watch it. They actually show video of people coming up and where you drop your ballot in the voting box. People would drive up with gunny sacks full of ballots and be stuffing them in there. No, that's a corrupt election, everybody. No way around it. And so when we understand what we're up against, I believe that we just need to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, but we need to be aware of the hypocrisy when it comes to one party that can do whatever they want. And instead of them saying, no, you're not capable of standing trial for this and you must step down from everything you're doing. Oh no, they just take the case. And because he just can't stand, you know, just can't figure it out. They just make the crime vanish. Friends, this is high crime. And uh, people in America need to be reminded of this almost daily because the American news media is so rotten to the core, they won't tell the American people the truth. All year about now, and I don't know if you notice this, now they're bringing all this about Trump and, and Mar Largo and, and him in the papers and everything. Never mind what happened to Biden last week. You don't hear anything about that. And that is high crime. That is high crime. And so why would you do that? Why would you take and substitute? a real criminal, for somebody who had a right to have these papers because he was president. Well, it doesn't make any sense. It's because we're being overthrown, everybody, and we need to understand how serious it is. Emily, I sure thank you for calling in. Thank you so much for your program. We really appreciate it. God bless you, dear. Stay alone. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy it. Let's go to Colleen, Las Vegas. We have one minute, Colleen. Oh, goodness. Okay. Hey, really fast. I know when Jesus came, he was 100% man, 100% God. I get that. I study the Bible a lot. My thing is, though, my kids are going to a Christian school, and they tell them a little bit different stuff. But they say that that uh, Jesus still had, like, as a 100% man, did he still have some kind of godly power? Okay, Scott, 30 seconds. Yes, he did. He, when Jesus came to the earth, he was not stripped of his Godhead in any sh- any way, shape, or form. What you have to remember is this. Jesus was God before he was man. When Jesus became a man, he added humanity to his deity. So he didn't, he didn't empty himself of his deity, according to Philippians chapter 2, but he added humanity to his deity. So when he died on a cross, he died as both man and God. Mike? Yes, and when Jesus said, no one knows when I'm coming back except the Father, parts of his deity was veiled in that human body. But still fully God, fully man. Sail Lane Colleen will send you out some books, some DVDs. And uh, Scott, thanks so much for being on today. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's always a pleasure. Look forward to being back tomorrow. So until then, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. Good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 